Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always delighted to talk to our next guest, Chris Thomason, longtime NFL reporter with the Denver Gazette. And uh, Chris, really appreciate you spending some time with us. Obviously, an important week for the Denver Broncos. You know, we just talked about how essentially this becomes a must win if they have any realistic playoff aspirations. But you have an interesting perspective because you've been uh, out in Minnesota covering the Vikings for the last couple of years and maybe aren't as jaded as we are out here looking at the Broncos. Uh, when you see a team this week, do you see a team that understands that realistically they know the history of what 0-2 starts do, especially when they're 0-2 starts at home? Is this a team that looks like they're ready to go out there and act as if this is a must-win game? Well, they haven't really said that directly. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Javante Williams, I mean, said, you, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a big game, and uh, we're at home, and they're going on the road for several games after that so that adds even more urgency to it but uh you know the general message at least publicly from the players has been a 17 game season it's a long season that sort of thing but uh yeah i mean realistically you look at the schedule and we've talked about it before you look at the first four games and you figure uh maybe they can go three and one well uh if they lose on uh sunday they Certainly aren't going three and one, and uh, be lucky to go one not, and three. Probably not even probably not even two and two. Yep. Um, there's that, and there's also, and and again, you haven't been around for for all the years where the Broncos have promised us they'll be a power running team first and foremost. But uh, I'm a little confused because Sean Payton was particularly explicit about that, and yet the Broncos ran. 21 designed running plays on Sunday. And yet you think, well, okay, maybe they threw the ball downfield on passes of 15 or more yards downfield. Russell Wilson was right behind Zach Wilson and Justin Fields among quarterbacks who didn't or weren't allowed to throw the ball 15 or more yards down the field. So my question to you is, do we have any more idea about what the Bronco identity is going to be for 2023, at least on offense, than we did a week ago? Well, they have Jerry Judy coming back, so that could certainly help matters and stretch the defense. I mean, what Sean Payton obviously wants to do is use the run to set up explosive type plays, but uh, they didn't really have those kind of guys out in the field Sunday, so uh, I don't know how concerned the Raiders were about getting beat, beaten deep. I mean, I was surprised that Marvin Mims 
Jr. only played 17 snaps. I mean, he's exactly. a guy with, with speed and maybe at least try to get him to stretch the defense, you know, run him down the field a few times and at least try to stretch it out. So that was a little bit of a surprise, but Judy's back and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe Mims will play a bigger role this coming Sunday. There were a few things as far as player deployment was concerned that puzzled us. Uh, you mentioned one of them in Mims playing 27% of the snaps. Jaleel McLaughlin played 8% of the snaps and never carried the ball. And when they threw it to him at one time, uh, there were about three or four Raiders right there. Not a single block was thrown on any of them. Um, Sean Payton seemed to suggest, although he didn't come right out and say it the other day, that he had sort of forgotten about McLaughlin and they promised to use him more in the coming weeks. Why didn't they use him on Sunday? on a team that is devoid of speed, uh, you, you had Mims playing 27% of the snaps, and McLaughlin, who is their second-fastest player on offense, even with Judy in the lineup, he only plays 8% of the snaps. What's going on there? Did he forget yeah, about Yeah, him? I agree. He probably should have been given more of an opportunity. He came in, and uh, he had some losses on plays in which there were uh, penalties, but that really wasn't a fair indicator. But, you know, it's hard to play three running backs, and they like their their top two guys, and generally they did have a fairly solid outing. So uh, you got to kind of pick your spots with McLaughlin. I think he's the kind of guy that you got to sneak in, and then all of a sudden the defense realizes he's in the game when he's, you know, uh, five yards down the field running, that sort of thing. So I think you have to pick your spots. I mean – like I said, it's hard to play three running backs, and he is at this juncture the number three running back. Well, he caught one pass for minus seven yards. Uh, that was McLaughlin's day, and again, nobody blocked. Nobody threw a single block for him on that play. Uh, defensively, uh, didn't we hear throughout training camp that Drew Sanders was making plays that no other linebacker could make, and they were crowing about his speed? Again, a guy with speed on a team that is unathletic and slow, even including the likes of Drew Sanders and Jaleel McLaughlin and Marvin Mims. You and I and Sean played as much from the line of scrimmage as Drew Sanders did the other day. Again, they say one thing, but then in the games, they don't seem to trust anybody who's a rookie who Sean Payton didn't have experience with in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, a couple thoughts. I mean, yeah, they say that about every rookie, how great they are. They said that about Sanders. They said that about men. Neither played much. And you noted me covering the Vikings before. I covered a Vikings team in 2020 in which Justin Jefferson didn't even start the first two games. So, uh you know, coaches at the start of the season, sometimes they're reluctant to uh, to put in rookies, and uh, maybe that'll change things, you know, getting a loss in, in the first game. So we'll have to see. But uh, Sean Payton did note that uh, Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton played well at inside linebacker. And, again, they're guys at positions where you're going to play most of the snaps, and it's – hard to play, get another guy in there. 
it, it is interesting to see how this is. It feels like it's almost a slow burn as if Sean Payton understand, as if Sean Payton's understanding that this team is going to take a while to turn around and he's completely patient with it. And the Broncos season as it stands doesn't necessarily allow that much patience. I'm not suggesting you overreact and start playing a whole bunch of first-year guys over veterans. I get that. But it's obvious, I think, to anyone watching this game that the Broncos do not have a lot of team speed and they do not have a lot of playmakers. They seem to focus on that based on the players that they drafted, meaning that they understood that that was a problem. So how long do you think it will take for them to get up to speed? Because I think as we understand when you talk about some of the linebacking positions, uh, you can rack up a bunch of tackles, but that is more of a positional role than it is necessarily an indication that it's controlling the game. For the Broncos... uh, they can kind of dance around them any way they wanted, but they still went and scored 16 points against a team that they should have scored more against and lose at home. So for the fans that look at it and say, this is the same old Broncos, or I'm, lo- I'm looking to one of those guys, Sandy, right across from me, says same old Broncos. Is there a part that you look at it and say, well, no, this looks like it actually may be different under Sean Payton? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton went into the opener thinking, hey, this is a – game we should be able to win and got conservative we're at home against a team we think we're better in and it didn't happen and now they're kind of in the same boat against washington so who knows maybe it'll be a similar type deal in that you know hey we're we're better than this team we're playing at home we can beat them but sometimes the games where people emerge like they play miami in week three well they're going to be big underdogs in that game and so it's like what the heck? Let's uh, roll out Mims. Let's roll out McLaughlin. Let's roll out Sanders. And so maybe you see them in that sort of game. And if they break loose, that will help them in the future. But if they're duds in those games, then uh, it won't. I know Sean Payton wasn't coaching last year, but he was commenting for Fox. And he said earlier this week, and I, I wonder if you heard this the same way. I, I think I understand correctly what he was saying he said uh, they faced more show coverage than they expected to face and i'm like everybody plays show coverage now why are you surprised that the raiders played show coverage everybody in the league plays show coverage so the raiders did it 84 and a half percent of the time but that isn't that far removed from the amount of show coverage that most teams play now yeah, I don't know the percentages, but obviously what the Raiders thought they were doing was working, so they continued to do it. And but why they, was he surprised by it? I don't get yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, that became kind of a buzzword during the week, shell coverage and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I don't know why he was surprised, and that does seem kind of odd that uh, such a veteran coach like Sean Payton, who apparently has uh, has seen everything and lets us know at times he's seen everything, would uh, admit to that sort of surprise. We're talking to Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Thomason. That's T-O-M-A-S-S-O-N. And coming into this game, obviously, there is a lot riding on it. This is a game that they, they do really have to win if they want to be taken seriously in any way, shape, or form as a playoff contending team. Given the injuries that they've dealt with, Frank Clark, we know, down with a hip injury, this team could not generate a pass rush. They blitzed 41% of the time. 
That was the third most in the NFL in week one. They got 13% of the time where they were pressuring the quarterback. That was by far the lowest in the NFL. Now Clark is out. How does this team expect to generate a pass rush? Vance Joseph, prior to the season, said this was the best group of edge rushers he'd ever seen. And he had J.J. Watt. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of superlatives thrown out in uh, training camp. There's no doubt. But, uh, yeah, they're uh, getting thinner in that area. Frank Clark, hip injury. You know, Baron Browning obviously is out. And we didn't see much from Randy Gregory. I mean, he still might be rusty after hardly playing last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a challenge. They've got to generate – a pass rush, there's there's no doubt. I mean, maybe Zach Allen's a guy that needs, it needs to come from there because obviously he had a very good training camp. And I was talking to uh, Jared Allen. I did a story on him a couple of weeks ago, and he's been working with Zach Allen and thinks he has the ability to be a double-figure sack-type guy. So uh, maybe it needs to come from that defensive end spot rather than the outside linebacker spot. Again, we're throwing a lot of numbers at you, or at least I am uh, here. Uh, I guess if there's a hint of good news, Washington last week playing Arizona. Arizona only blitzed 7.7% of the time, and yet against Sam Howell, who's a pretty mobile quarterback, Arizona had six sacks. The only quarterback in the NFL who got sacked more in week one was Daniel Jones of the Giants, who was sacked seven times. They also had 13 pressures. Does that – I know the Broncos had no sacks and virtually no pressures on Sunday against the Raiders, given that Arizona, without blitzing, exerted a lot of pressure, and that's with a four-man rush – does that offer some encouragement that maybe the Broncos don't need to blitz on four out of every 10 defensive snaps this week that maybe against Washington, they can get there with four. Well, they weren't getting there with six the other day or five. Yeah. 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 There was plenty of talk after the game and in the days following it about how Jimmy Garoppolo gets the ball out fast. And Sam Howell doesn't. He has a reputation, and he's a young quarterback of uh, hanging on to it. So now they're going from a veteran-type quarterback to facing basically a greenhorn-type quarterback. So that alone can be advantageous. There's no doubt about it. Chris, I guess the last one for you here, for this this Broncos team, when we're looking at the, the challenges of getting everything together, it's kind of funny. I that hearing this discussion today uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, almost the ideas of what we heard would happen up in Boulder, right? That you're bringing all these new people in, new coaches, new players, new concepts. It won't possibly fit together. Well, oddly, it fit together in Boulder. What's taking it so long to fit together at Dove Valley? Well, you know, uh, easier in college. You can run off a bunch of guys. You don't have a salary cap. You don't have debt money. True. And that sort of True. thing. So, uh, I'm sure if uh, Sean Payton could have rounded up a few uh, former New Orleans Saints, he might have. But, and turn the clock back know, five or ten years, yeah. Yeah, he, pro- he probably tried to talk Drew Brees out of retirement. That probably didn't work either. So, 
So uh, they'll just have to, to go with what they have. He is Chris Thomason. Give him a follow on Twitter at Chris Thomason. Like I said, that's T-O-M-A-S-S-O-N. And check out everything he's putting together at the Denver Gazette. Terrific work there by Chris and the rest of the Gazette team on all of Colorado sports. Thanks for the time, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Really appreciate it, guys. So this is really, I mean, it, it's it's a, Sandy, we're one game in and it feels so bleak. Only because it is. I mean, oh. I mean I'm sorry, one game. What does one game mean? How about 105 games in which they're 37 and 68? Oh, my. And that, as we mentioned Monday, touches Kubiak, Joseph, Fangio, Hackett, and now Sean Payton. Five different coaches. So, two different ownership groups. Oh, that's all Nathaniel Hackett. Or that's all Vance Joseph. Two different team presidents. No, it's not. No, it's not. not. There's plenty of blame uh, to go around. And the reality is that as we'll discuss here later on in the hour, when you're looking at front fours, until Chase Young gets healthy, it's basically a front three. This front three, it might be the best trio of defensive linemen as a group in all the National Football League with the possible exception of the San Francisco 49ers. Well, that, as you pointed out, it overlaps a lot of people. Everyone's selling pumpkin spice everything. I guess it's Halloween season. Maybe it's haunted in Dove Valley. Maybe they need an exorcism. We'll talk more about it next to Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Want to remind you, by the way, now that it's you know football season, why bet with the big boys? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports. Try them this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. That's easy enough to remember, right? So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sometimes when we talk a little bit during the break here on this show, we come up with, well, a segment we didn't have planned. And we're doing that now because... Sandy brought up some interesting things, and you've talked about this a lot this week, actually, Sandy. And the idea that uh, same old Broncos mm-hmm. uh, on the field, and they maybe even off the field, the the, the best group, best group of edge rushers that Vance Joseph's ever seen, uh, all the weapons that you're supposed to have, that sort of stuff. I mean, they just and, and at some point they're just making. Things I, I up get that, too. but but here's my question: If we look at that, say down at twentieth and Blake. Right. Well, we know what the problem is because the same people have been there the whole time and they're doing the same thing. So I'm not surprised when you look at the Colorado Rockies, they're convinced all of a sudden that some we have no idea why we weren't good. It must have been bad luck with injuries because the same people do this year in and year out. And even when there is a changeover in the GM for the Rockies, it's just the next right-hand man for, for ownership, and off they go. Well, well, no, but but that's the point with the Rockies. There, there never is change. 
That's the other end of the spectrum. But this is my confusion, Sandy. You talk about it being the same old Broncos with the same problems. And I actually kind of, I agree with that for the most part. But we are talking about five different coaches, two different general managers. And it's still the same. Two different team presidents, two different ownership groups. Still the same. Well, but my, my question to you is this. I get it. I get it. It's still the same. I get that point. My question is why? Because what they have done is what, in theory, what's supposed to break that up. They have changed everybody out. They have done what, say, the Rockies don't do. They have gone from the outside of the organization looking for answers to bring it in. And now, with a with a GM that they brought in from Minnesota, with a head coach they brought in from New Orleans, with an ownership that they brought in from Walmart and billions and billions of dollars, as well as a former Secretary of State and an F1 racing champion, all that sort of stuff, how is the same problem occurring despite all the people being different? Uh, ego. Maybe an element of fear. I mean, I, it's tough to psychoanalyze them that way. But I mean, but but Sean Payton, Sean Payton is as much of an egomaniac and apparently as much of a spinmeister as, as all the rest of them. And I'm thinking, okay, they did deviate with this hire because the three previous hires had never been head coaches right. before. So that's a vast difference. Right. On any You go level. from a first-time head coach to a Super level. Bowl winning head coach. It's hard I to understand. make more of a 180-degree change. But the the megalomania, the, and, and, and flat out, I'm sorry that to be this blunt, they just lie. They just lie. I mean, they this- sit there and lie. They tell you that Jimmy Garoppolo got rid of the ball quick. That's why they couldn't get to him. He averaged 2.85 seconds. That's a lie. And they know it's a lie. But they think no one will call him on it. Because everybody covering them needs access. So, to zoom it out, the question and is... And my point is, you don't have access anyway. Is this an NFL thing that we're discussing then, by nature? Is it the nature of the league itself that encourages that? Because Bill Belichick may be a hard guy to deal with, an unpleasant person to deal with much of the time but he doesn't lie now he made a bad couple of hires last year with matt patricia and joe judge being his co-offensive coordinators but you know he moved on from them at the end of the year and ironically matt patricia is now a defensive consultant with the philadelphia eagles who beat the patriots in the opener uh, the other day but he's a defensive consultant belichick made a mistake but he doesn't lie. And I I don't understand. And I'm not commenting on these people's integrity or but in a professional sense, they they play to the lowest common denominator. And the surprising thing Your argument is, is the lowest common denominator the, isn't the fans. It isn't the fans. Exactly. The fans don't buy this balderdash. They didn't during the preseason. I mean, we we even laughed 
when Vance Joseph said, this is the best room of edge rushers I've ever been in. Well, Vance Joseph was a defensive coordinator for one year in Miami and for what, four years in Cincinnati. In Arizona, he was never a defensive oh, coordinator yeah. in Cincinnati. Right. You're right. You're right. It's D-backs coach in Cincinnati. No. And then he was right. hired here not only as a totally inexperienced head coach, never been a head coach on any level. He had spent one year as a defensive coordinator with the Miami Dolphins. Right. One. One year. And that's when John and brought him in. That was a pretty good year, but it was a good year because Adam Gase was the head coach. It wasn't a good year because Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator. When the Broncos came calling on Vance Joseph, and Vance Joseph was the only man they considered for the job, the Dolphins could very easily have charged the Broncos with tampering. Mm-hmm. John Elway did yes. not seek permission to talk to Vance Joseph. He just called him and offered him the job. He said, you're the only guy we're talking to. It's your job if you want it. And a league person called Miami and said, you know, you can get on them for tampering and everything. And it just laughed. They said, well, they can tamper all they want with Vance Joseph. We don't want him. We can replace him. So I, I, I just don't really understand how they continue to get away with it. And, you know, They'll probably win some. Picking them again. I picked them last week yeah, as you did. To I, win. I will too. I'm picking them again. I am too. You know, I'm kind of hedging because I I like Washington plus three and a half a whole lot. That's one it of the does two feel or three like games a, I'm like most certain goal. of with relation to points. I'll take Washington plus three and a half against the Broncos here in the nation's capital. In Bangladesh, I mean, I, it doesn't matter. This will be a tight game, but I'm picking Denver to win it. But it, it's it's the same old, same old, the same rationalizations, the same excuses, uh, and on occasion the same lies that they've been telling themselves for years. And that's why I cite the story that I related a few minutes ago that, yes, they're honest people in the organization, but they're not in charge of the football operation. They're not that in any instance, a head coach, I, I know any number of Bronco people I can talk to and they'll tell me the truth about what's going on. Broncos think, well, we'll, we'll deny access to certain people or limit access to certain people training camp this year. I mean, I, you, they think we actually care that we were denied access to training camp for broadcast. Well, when you say that, what they meant for is For talk that, show broadcast. The radio station, and by the way, it was none. No radio stations broadcast from training camp this this year. Uh, they used the area that, that cool. used to be for, uh, that they used to put media on there. They used that for alumni and family and friends now. Right. And uh, they shifted but, that over. But my, my point is, they act like, well, if we deny them access, they won't find out what's really going on. Yes, we will. I, 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 there are half a dozen people that are connected with the Broncos know what's going on over there who can tell me anything. And they tell me this and not one of them thought they were going to make the playoffs this year either. And kind of laughed at the idea they they're the ultimate spin meisters. That's what they are over there from, from top to bottom. Now they're people who are hired with the idea of putting the best face on things. And I don't begrudge those people 
doing what PR people generally do. Yeah, I get that. Generally do. That's the job. The Broncos happen to have had, and so have the Nuggets, and so have the Avalanche. Over the years, the Rockies. Mm -hmm. But those other three teams have always had PR people who, at least in a conversation, will tell you really what's going on, for better or for worse. And it disappoints me that the Broncos, who had over the years any number of people like that, now seem to have no one. Like that. It feels to me what we're talking and about. And everybody's scared to death of Sean Payton. That came out in the Seth Wickersham piece. Even Sean Payton is aware of that. Not exactly a major in self-awareness, but even Sean Payton knows that he is disliked, if not despised, by many people inside the building over there. And no, he doesn't care. He he's doesn't been, particularly he's given care. A, a contract. One of the reasons he doesn't care is exactly yeah. that. He is unfireable. Sure. He is the most secure coach in the National Football League. And don't tell me, well, there's Belichick. Belichick is on as much of a hot seat as any coach who has won half a dozen championships <laughs> can be on. Belichick is much, much, much less secure in his job right now than Sean Payton is in his. It feels to me very much as if this is just a, what we're discussing here, because it is so many different, when I say players, I mean, I mean, pers I guess I should say personnel. So many personnel involved, coaches and GMs and team presidents and ownership, that this is more leading to believe that this is sort of an, this is an NFL thing. Because in other NFL cities, you run into the same thing. The, the NFL team is kind of unimpeachable, right? They kind of own the medium and the message. And this is what a 12 to $13 billion a year business can do in entertainment. And they'll let you know what's going on. on and, you know, why you lose and a little bit of luck. And maybe it was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got the ball out really fast. <laughs> We figure you won't check and see what's the identical number that Russell Wilson had in time to throw or that we didn't expect him to go to shell, even though nickel defense is the base defense. And I've been saying this, by the way, for about six years in the NFL. But maybe this is just an NFL thing. That the NFL has gotten so behind its protect the shield mindset. Uh, okay. That the, the default setting for NFL franchises is but we're certain right, franchises deserve the benefit of that doubt. Even if they're proven wrong here and there. And the Broncos had it. The Broncos they had it for a had time. It, they had but it. But that was a long, long time ago. That was eight years ago they had it. And they don't have it now. They're 37 and 68. How many back. teams are 37 and 68 and expect to get away with lying? It's a tough situation. They need to turn things around, and they could at least maybe get that 38th win on Sunday. That would certainly help. We'll talk about that, but we'll move our attention to Boulder, where uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, had an opportunity to respond to uh, Coach Jane Orville of Colorado State's uh, manners, sartorial choices. I'm not entirely uh, sure, but we'll hear from Coach Prime next on Miley Sports. 
Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. After Colorado State Rams coach Jay Norvell started a, a bit of a media, firestorm's a bit strong. I would say yeah. a collective scratching of the head uh, by pointing out that basically Deion Sanders doesn't take his sunglasses and hat off often what? enough, and it, it it's it's it apparently indicates well, to, poor harkens, manners. Harkens back to the days of Sonny Lubick and Gary Barnett. So I. I'm kind of glad to see it because there's certainly no other narrative this week apart from the fact that is going to win the game by a lot. any margin they choose to win by. Interesting decision anyway, Barnorville. And we talked about that earlier in the show. That that's the the, the, the pick that you're going to go at him with is that he, you know, apparently it's impolite to wear the hat and sunglasses when speaking to quote-unquote grown-ups. I'm yeah. like, oh, you, you know okay. what? The, it remi- when I heard it, it reminded me of all the Republicans who went crazy when Obama one day wore a tan suit and uh, supposed to wear a blue suit, I guess every day, except that people on social media went back and had hundreds oh, yeah. of pictures of Ronald Reagan wearing tan suits on different It's days. It's, it was, a, it's a, it's a silly <laughs> thing to get five hundreds and hundreds hyper of about. Well, and of course the first suit. thing that happened with Jane Orvell is a whole bunch of people should have maybe not sunglasses, but he wears a visor and he yeah. had that on yeah, in a bunch of interviews. But right. Earlier today over on Bus TV on YouTube, they voiced the bus Mark Johnson and, and Deion Sanders had an opportunity to talk. And uh, Johnson asked Sanders uh, a little bit about the comment. Hey, before we go to break, I do have a – I'm not, I'm not a, a fashion guy. I know that surprises you. Um, I need to ask you a fashion question. Would you mind if I do that here today? Yes, sir. So if, if I were to sit here on stage and I put on sunglasses – Mm-hmm. And and maybe reach down and, and put my hat on yeah. on top of that. I know where you're going. Yeah, how, how would you feel about that if I if uh, I did that? Kind is of that way? you? Is that well? Is sure. that you? Yeah, right? that's yeah. the way you rock. I just want to make sure that, you don't. Is don't that feel... is that how we know you? <laughs> well, yeah, you right. know people with the hat on. That, sure. That's right. That's yeah. how we know you. So yeah. I'm not gonna get in front of you and change who I am just because you're here. Right. I don't I don't do that. I'm right. consistent with who I am. I just want to make sure you weren't insulted yeah. by me wearing sunglasses. No, no, yeah. not whatsoever. <laughs> My, my, and yeah, yeah. My, uh, oh Lord, thank you for holding that back. Thank you, Lord. You know what that is, sir, Prime? That that's maturity, right there. It, it? it is. That's maturity. I want to say a few things. Yeah. But Lord, thank you. Thank maybe, you for holding. At that. 56, he's got the maturity. At maybe 26, exactly. maybe exactly. I'm a grown man. You tell me what I what I supposed to wear, what I don't supposed to wear. Exactly yeah, right. Please. Yeah. You know what? We like your sunglasses and your hat out here at the show. So, My eyes yeah. are extremely tired. Like yeah. if you, I've been up. I get up at 4:30. Yeah. I'm 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 in the office probably by five, so by this time you see me I'm worn, you know. So I'm 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 trying to really hide my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell everything about a person, that's so right. that's really why I do it. So your eyes and are I look good. Doing I was going to say way, that, that's that's the real reason. Mm-hmm. There, come Very on, man. Good doing it. Too. Yeah. You know what he has, and I could be wrong about this, but I think if they were zero and two, he'd still have it. Three words. Sense of humor. Yep. And that is very effective. He didn't lash back at Jay Norvell. He kept it in perspective. And he's got a sense of humor. And and that was a nice ploy by Mark Johnson mm-hmm. too to say I'm I'm a white white guy who's you know putting this on, and that's not really who I am.
Mark does rock that cowboy hat. Yeah, he, he does wear the cowboy hat, but sunglasses. I, I, I've never seen Mark with the cowboy hat and sunglasses on. But Dion, he said, first of all, the serious point is take him or leave him. He is who he is. He is who he is. Well, and, and, and you can like it or you can dislike it. I like it, the argument a lot. But he is who he is. And when he says he's consistent, he is telling the Deion truth. Deion Sanders he is. was had sunglasses as a player. Is. As a player, yeah. he was had sunglasses. I mean, the, none of this is new. This is what he's been. Is he has been consistent? This has been he, his whole he is athletic a, career. He is authentic. He was had sunglasses he at Florida State. You can go, but you can easily Google it and find yeah, it. That's absolutely. that's who he is. And and that, that's why it was such a weird thing to pick on. Resonates with people because there's so little of it now. And someone, and I'll say straight out, who happens to be black, demonstrating that kind of confidence and authenticity is going to do very well in attracting young athletes to Boulder, whether they be transfers or recruits. Well, I think it attracts any athletes because to Boulder. Because he's any, anybody. authentic. Well, and what he's what he's saying, the message that he basically hands out is that I, I do me, and so I'm going to let you do you so long as you're doing your job. And I think college kids can handle that trait. And I think that's something that, that is appealing. Remember, these college kids are walking into a world of NIL, of the ability to monetize your social media. They've been doing it since high school. And they need to know that a coach is going to be okay with them doing them. As long as they're responsible. Right. And there's been... You're doing I, I, what you need to do. We, you're winning. You're learning. Okay. We talked about this the other day. There's confidence and there's arrogance. Right. And contrary to what some people believed so far... Sean Payton has brought more arrogance than confidence to the Denver Broncos. That is Deion Sanders fair. has brought more confidence than arrogance to the Colorado Buffaloes. That and that's the difference. And maybe the answer to your question earlier that you posed to Chris Thomas. It very well Deion did it. Why can't Sean Payton do it? And Chris gave a great answer, and it's absolutely true. In the NFL, you can't do what Deion Sanders did. And in college football, you couldn't do it to the degree that Deion Sanders did. Although, uh, I hope we have time today, and if we don't today, we'll have time tomorrow to get to the uh, Michael Wilbon uh, comment on pardon the interruption yesterday. Uh, yeah, we can and, we can and, go to the, we have we can do that, and we have time. Maybe we can get yeah, to that. We can now. Fly we still have a few. Do you want to do you want to set left. it up and explain what and 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 you know just this is on the idea that the Dion model, so to speak will be copied by other coaches. And let Wilbon speak to that, but coaches have been running off players since the advent of college football. Right. But not to this degree, and I doubt there have been many over the years, many programs and more distressed than Colorado was in early December of 2022, when Deion Sanders was hired to be the head coach. Here's Michael Wilbon. Well, I see them trying to follow. They'll try to follow. They'll try to go and throw off whoever on their teams they can throw off and go to the transfer portal and try to get the best players in. They're going to fight. They do it anyway. Deion didn't 
Dion just took this to a new level. Dion didn't invent this. College coaches have been lying and, and hiding and stashing and passive-aggressively throwing people off teams for 100 years. Now, Dion came in and said, oh, really? This is now legal? We can do this above board? Then here's how we're going to do it. And all the guys out there, like your boy Rule in Nebraska, who took shots at Dion, My then boy. I'm just My giving boy. you a hard time. What? Thinly veiled shots. I, I love, as you know, Dion putting their faces in it. I love that, and I want it to continue I know. all season. Are they as charismatic as Dion? No. Do they know as much about football as Dion? No. Do they appeal to kids in their living rooms if coaches still go to the living rooms, if transfer portals exist in the living room? No. So, so I hope they fail miserably at it, but they will attempt yeah. it. When Dion said, I'm coming in with all new luggage and it's Louie, he wasn't kidding around. <laughs> all right? Wasn't. Now, it's only two games and there's 10 more to go, but it looks like he's doing it well. I agree with you. A lot of coaches will do this. And I agree with you, they will fall on their faces. And I agree with you for the very specific reason. And don't ever underestimate how personally charismatic Deion Sanders is. Amen. A lot of guys can coach football. Yeah. Not a lot can lead the French Revolution, okay? <laughs> Dion is different than these other people. What I'm interested in most, though, Mike, is this, the transfer in the balance of power. I thought, and you thought, that the transfer portal liberated all the players. But if coaches come in and start throwing out 30 or 40 guys, say to them, you get in the portal, you get out of here. They were doing it then, already. Then I, saw, I wonder if they don't reclaim a certain well, amount of Well, they're trying to, Tony. Sport. That's what they want in this yeah. new rule. The, the idea of being in living rooms kind of correct. Now, that's Michael Wilbon and, and Tony Kornheiser, Kornheiser, of course, on part of the interruption. Uh, the Buffaloes are getting recruiting calls. They're not. Yeah, they're exactly. not doing. They're not actually they're not calling. calling. They're no. getting calls. So I don't know how many living rooms they're going to have to go into. Obviously, these continues to have to be a uh, a good season for them. About? By the way, the Oregon State Colorado game yep. sold out today. Yeah, uh, it, you're not going to be able to get into one of these games. This Arizona year. is the only home game that, that has yet to be sold, sold out. out. That's and it. That, that's only because it's on November 11th. By October 11th, that game will be sold out, if not sooner than October 11th. Again, what they're talking about is he's real, and the the kids today they can, they can sense spot it. phonies. They can sense it. They can they can spot phonies, but he's real. He's authentic. Do I like everything he says and everything he does? No, but he is who he is, and you can't deny that. He is authentic. He is true to himself. And for some of us, I, I really like the idea that a black head coach is doing this. And the people, by and large, objecting to it are curmudgeonly old white coaches. They're the people objecting to it. That's why it surprised me that Norvell after showering Dion with praise on Monday, took a cheap shot at him last night. It will be a, a fascinating next couple of days. Of course, the Broncos have a must-win. The CU-CSU Rocky Mountain Showdown appears to be a foregone conclusion in who will win and who will lose, something that I think even uh, ardent Ram supporters understand. But we'll have an opportunity to break that down 
tomorrow as well. Our friend Justin Adams will join us, and maybe we'll grab uh, and work on another guest from the Rams side of things as well, trying to get a little bit of that both sides, and maybe uh, they could explain why Jim Norvell thought that was a right. good idea. I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe there's a method to the madness. By the Thanks way, Chase Norvell is welcome to come on this program anytime. Anytime, anytime. Dion too. He's not taking our calls, but uh, but either one, they're more than welcome to. Thanks to Chris Thomason from the Denver Gazette for joining us. If you missed any part of the show, you can always find it at MyLifeSports.com or even easier, the MyLifeSports app where you can listen to everything live or recorded on the podcast. Plus, get all the writing and uh, about every team that we have going along in town and other podcasts as well. So a lot to get on the free Mile High Sports app. Go check that one out. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth. He's the one that makes everything work. Sandy Clough on my left. Bringing the heat today. Sandy was spicy. I'm serious. If you missed it, go go to go grab the app. Go get some of those podcasts there. Save some energy for Friday, my friend. Plenty of energy. <laughs> it will be a football Friday. We'll be back at it tomorrow. We've got to step aside, but keep it right here on My Life Sports. The radio springs on forgotten songs.